Hey guys, how's it going? Scott Devine back here with another episode of the SBL podcast. And today we've got the awesome Eva Gardner with us, who is the daughter of creation bass player Kim Gardner. Now, as some of you may know, Kim was the bass player during the British invasion of the 1960s and played with the likes of George Harrison, Eric Clapton, The Birds, and many, many other great artists and bands. Eva grew up in a household, as you'd imagine, surrounded by musicians and it was including some of the best bassists in the business. And her dad was even close friends with John Entwistle from The Who. Now, Eva has been following closely in her dad's footsteps ever since. She was part of the original lineup of the Mars Volta and has gone on to tour with the likes of Gwen Stefani, Cher, Moby and Pink. And not only is she a great bass player, Eva's also got a fantastic attitude towards her work as well. And as you'll hear her say in this podcast, gratitude is the attitude. I absolutely love that saying. Now, I'm going to hand you over to Nick interviewing Eva Gardner. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the SBL podcast, joined today by Eva Gardner, all the way from rehearsals in Los Angeles. Eva, how are you? How are you? You're right. I'm great. Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. Good. Um, good. So much to talk about. Your career, it just seems to go from one cool gig to another. Um, (laughs) But let's start right at the beginning. Bass has been around since you can remember, right? Thanks to the influence of your dad. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, my dad was a bass player from England, actually. Um, Born and raised in London and uh, was just part of that whole that whole scene in the 60s and 70s when um, you know rock and roll was was happening and uh, you know I just grew up hearing all all the stories of him um, you know when he started he lived on the on the same street as Ronnie Wood so that's how they ended up in their first band together and and you know in, in a in a neighborhood not far away was all the guys from the Who so they had started their band and they just all you know, we're playing shows together and all came up together. And that was just, just the scene back then. And, um, just growing up and hearing these stories that my dad had of, of that time and, and, um, what music meant to them. And, and, uh, you know, I just wanted, I wanted to do that too. It just sounded amazing. And I just knew that that's what I wanted to do from an early age. So it was always there. What's your dad's backstory? How did he get into it? Uh, you know, I don't know how he, Interestingly, I don't know how I actually had had picked the bass, but um, you know, I just know that he he started when he was a young kid. You know, thir- he was in, they were all in the I can't remember the name of the school, but they were uh, you know all in the boys' choir at school, and and uh, that's kind of how I, I I would guess they got their int- introduction to, to music and and became musical, and and um, you know, I I, I guess. Uh, all this music was coming out uh, of the States at the time, you know, all the, the 50s stuff. And, and um, these guys were influenced by that and, and uh, just picked up their instruments and, and um, I just got to it. I don't know. I know my dad was like 14 when they started and at at 15, they, uh, they were in the birds, the British birds, B I R D S. And it was him and Ron Wood and his friends. And, um, you know, by 16, he dropped out of school and was touring <laughs> or yeah, I mean, it was like, that was it, you know? Um, so I think that, um, that was just their life at the time. And what and, attracted uh, you to, to the, the instrument, the bass? I mean, was it the lifestyle he was living or was it the music or a bit of both? I think it was, it was all the above. Um, I mean, again, the stories were just so epic, you know, just these amazing adventures they would have about, uh, I remember he'd tell me stories about um, being in the creation and they would um, 
on stage have these big canvases that they would paint on during their show and um, like naked women and they would paint the women and then paint the canvases. And then, and then uh, during, at some point of the show, they would like light the canvases on fire. And, and, um, and I think at, uh, during one show they actually got in trouble. They threw the canvas uh, that was burning into the audience and, <laughs> and, and that didn't go over so well. And I think they ended up getting banned from that particular city in Germany. And, and, um, but um, yeah, I mean, just the adventures and and just how how raw it all was, and um, and the music was just so amazing. And, and I also just you know grew up with my dad and being around my dad and all of his friends and and uh, you know Mick Taylor hanging out in our in our living room as a kid. And when I was little, I couldn't appreciate who any of these people really were. It was just like sure. um, you know uh, Uncle Andy, like Andy Johns was the first person who gave me a bass lesson. But to, but to me, it was just Uncle Andy, you know, and, and it wasn't until it was later that I actually became, came to appreciate who all these, all these people were. But when I was a kid, they were just such, such wonderful people and, and, um, just so, uh, inspired and it was contagious, you know, it was just, uh, it was contagious. And I just, loved being around my dad and hanging out with those guys and I wanted to do it too. And, and I just knew that's, that was it. I didn't really have any other um, options, it seemed like, for me. And do you remember some of your earliest sort of steps into the bass? What were, what were those early lessons like and what, what were you learning? Well, I remember when I first started to really want to get into it, uh, uh, my dad was not that pleased. Oh, really? I, think he, I don't think he was that into it. Uh for whatever reason, he wasn't, I don't know if he did it, just didn't think I was serious about it or what, but, um, he, he kind of tried to deter me from it, from it and, and said, basically don't touch my stuff. <laughs> like, you know, like this is my studio. This is not for kids. This is for, you know, for grown ups, and, you know, don't touch my stuff basically. And it wasn't until, uh, I was just harping on him and, and, um, and one day Andy Johns came over, um, and he brought over a bass, uh, like a, it was, I think it was like a Gibson EB3 or an EBO, something like that. And a little pig nose amplifier and, you know, rang the doorbell and my dad answered the door. I think thinking that Andy had brought him some new stuff to check out, you know, um, <laughs> but Andy said, no, this is, this is for Eva. She's been, she's been harping on you to, to play bass. And he finally sat me down and gave me a lesson. And, um, and I just took to it right away. And I think it was at that point that my dad realized that, that, you know, there's no turning back. (laughs) And, uh, it was at that point that he was like, okay, I guess, I guess she's serious. And he finally sort of sat me down and, and, uh, you know, teach me how to change the strings and, and, um, you know, operate on the bass, you know, like open it up and, and, and explore and stuff like that. And, uh, it was a really special time. It was really special, special moments for me. And I'm glad that, that, uh, that I had that time with him. Yeah, sure. How about yeah. some of the first bands you were in? Do you remember that? What kind of thing? Yeah. Were you so my first band that I was in was, uh, I was about 13, 13, 14. And I happened to be going to an all girl Catholic school. Um, and so my only options really at that time were these other three girls that happened to be in a band, um, and they needed a bass player. So I ended up playing in a band with them. Um, the all girl 
Catholic school band. <laughs> That's a great title. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, uh, our name was actually Entropy, but um, but it was cool. I mean, they they were super into U two, so we mm-hmm. started out playing lots of U two covers, and and um, and me being a couple of years younger than them, uh, I was like. Like, okay, guys, for every, I was really into the grunge and, and Nirvana, and I was like, okay, guys, every every YouTube cover we saw, we play now, every YouTube song we play now, we're going to have to pick a Nirvana song to play, okay? That's the deal. Um, so, uh, you know, it was a fun a mix of personalities, but we did a lot of, I, I really enjoyed doing original stuff, too, so that's when I started, like, writing and, and writing music and creating songs and, uh you know, playing at the Whiskey Go Go and and little clubs here in LA, and and it was a it was a really uh, a great time to to grow up playing. It was really fun. How important that was it, my first band. How important has it been? Has LA been in your career? Do you think being in LA, growing up in LA, and being around that, L- that kind of scene? LA is a very interesting city in that it's. Uh, it's kind of the entertainment capital of the world, but for that reason, everybody's here to do that. Sure. Everybody comes here to do that. So in a way, you know, it can be a place for, for people to get discovered or whatever, um, but it's also oversaturated in a way. So, um, you know, whether it's luck or talent or a bit of both or, or whatever it is, it can be a pretty um, interesting place to to try to, to do what you're going to do in the arts. Um, for me... I, I mean, I'm born and raised here, and um, I think for me, I'm lucky because I have my family here, and I have um, friends I went to school with and grew up with, and I've got already kind of a, a built-in network, um, I guess, uh, although not everybody's in the arts, but um, I don't know. I think growing up here, I have I have that. I've, I've just grown up in it, you know, but at the same time, it's like it, it's also you know, I did have to go out on auditions. It wasn't like people just gave me a gig because, you know, well, for whatever reason, it's like you still, I audition. I did a lot, a lot of auditions. I still do auditions sometimes, you know, um, it's just part of the, the rat race, I guess. Um, but you, in working with different people, you do build that network and they see how you are and how you play and, and your work ethic and, and all that. And, um, you know, that's, that's something to, to think about when you're dealing with people, when you're meeting with people, you never know when you're going to meet them again or cross paths with them. Cause, uh, you know, we're kind of all in this together <laughs> in a, in a weird way, you know? So how, how do you prepare for an audition? Do you do a lot of homework or do you just want, I mean, there's so much you need to get across, not just musically, but like you said, your attitude and your work ethic. Uh, well, I think the key word is prepare. Um, Definitely prepare. I, I think that if someone says, okay, you know, we come in whatever next week or tomorrow, and sometimes it's tomorrow, you know, so, and they give you four songs to learn, you learn those four songs backwards and forwards. Um, there's no point in going in and not being prepared because it's just a waste of their, everyone else's time and your time. And, um, you know, and it's, 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 you know, it's, it's kind of a lack of respect too. It's like, sure. why bother coming in here? to play with us if you're not even going to bother doing your homework and learn the songs and you're just going to just solo all over everything. No one wants to No, that won't, no one wants to, I mean, maybe there is, there's our gigs for that. Sure. Um, but in the situations that I've been in, uh, it's a team effort, you know, you're playing in a band, let's play in a band, <laughs> let's play, let's play together. It's, you know, it's, it's, uh, 
a lot of it is 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 um, camaraderie and knowing how you're going to be on the road, knowing how you're going to be uh, in a band situation, you know, as part of a team. Have you only ever played bass, Evo? Do you play any other instruments? Um, mostly bass. Usually people kind of come to the bass after they've played the guitar or after they've played drums or something else. But have you, bass has been the main thing for you since the Yeah, I mean... I, I took a few piano lessons when I was a kid, but I didn't really, really take to it that much. And I, I think my crazy Russian teacher might have had something <laughs> to do with that. Um, but I, I, bass was always it for me. I just, it was always in my heart. And I just, again, from an early age, I just, before I even knew what it meant, uh, I knew that I was going to be a bass player. And do you think that's helped so, you, just having that focus on one instrument? I, th- I think it has. Um, I think it has in a way, I mean, looking back, I mean, I would love to be able to play lots of different instruments. Um, and I, and I, and in a way I wish it would have stuck with piano lessons and I wish, I wish this, I wish that you can wish a million things, but, um, but I do find that, uh, that it's just what I, it's just what I do and it's what I know, you know, a lot of times they're sure a guitar player can, can play bass in a band or get away with it or whatever. I mean, look at, um, you know, look at, look at Jimi Hendrix, you know, look at, look at that band. Um, Noel Redding was a guitar player, you know, sure. um, who kind of went on to play bass. I mean, it's sure it can be done, but it's just what I, I know and what I understand. Like, I don't think of bass like a guitar player. And when I play guitar, I, I kind of think of like, like a bass player. It's really, it's really strange. Like I play a little bit of guitar, I write um, and stuff, but I, I think of it in like, a, I think of it as a bass player. Like I approach it in that way and I just, I just know it and it's what I, it's what I do, you know? Um, so whether that, that's a, that's a benefit or, uh, or not, I don't know, but it, it is what it is. Although, uh, over the years I have, like I'll play, um, for different gigs, like I'll play keyboard bass or I'll play, um, which, which then I'm glad I really had my, my piano lessons at that time, you know? Um, or I'll play upright and I'll do singing, um, so I'm always expanding, you know, my skill set, which I think is important for players to do as well, and to be open to, to exploring other other instruments. Um, but as far as like the land of bass, that's usually my role. You know, let's go back a bit to um, when you first started gigging, playing at the whiskey and places like that. When did you sort of kind of step it up and get on your really big? The first time you felt like you were on a really big gig. Oh, man. Um... Well, I feel like my first tour was was big for me because that was my ultimate goal was to was to start touring, um, and that was when I had uh, had finished school, I finished college, and I I was in the Mars Volta, and I finished school, no more um, commitments, nothing. Like I was just ready to go, and and uh, and we were just creating like awesome music, and it was super creative, and me. Um, got to hit the road and for me that was I've I felt like that was it for me you know like I finally was doing it like I was on the road and and sharing this music with with people all over the world and and there's nothing like that feeling you know and where did um, you go from there and from there uh from so after that I uh was playing with when I when we talk about literal stages like big stages um we'll go to Tim Burgess, actually the, the singer from the charlatans sure. and he, he was doing his solo thing. And I know him from, from here in LA. Um, and, 
and he um, had a couple gigs opening up. We did a tour over there with Stereophonics, so that was amazing, like amazing shows. But we had a couple shows opening up for the Rolling Stones. Wow. Um, one of which was at Wembley Arena. And that was my first arena show ever. And, you know, opening up with the Stones, and that was just such an epic moment for me, especially having my dad, my dad having grown up with, with Ron Wood, you know, so I oh. saw him, him there and, and, uh, you know, he kind of made one of those like, like full circle, like full circle kind of thing yeah. moments, you know, and, and also the creation had opened up for the Rolling Stones in, in the sixties, I think it was 67. So just the whole, the whole thing was just this really incredible full circle moment. And for me to, to be on an arena stage in England, opening up for the Rolling Stones was, was, um, was just, absolutely mind-blowing for me and um but it was like all that hard work and all those years and all this the all the uh you know crappy clubs and smelly you know <laughs> dressing rooms and whatever yeah. all that stuff you know and and uh just the blood sweat and tears you know and, and having it kind of lead up to the to those moments are are uh are amazing and it just and it just keeps going i mean i can't i'm 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 just, I mean, I could have like died on stage and I would be like, that's it. I made it. That's perfect. That's incredible. Um, but I've just been really blessed with, with moments that keep happening like that, you know, and, and I just, the, the journey is so interesting and, and knowing like, you know, um, okay, maybe I didn't get that gig, but that happened for a reason because it led to something else. And, sure. and uh, you just kind of never know how things happen. And, failed auditions and, and, and things like that. And being able to look back on those things and, and realize why maybe that was a better choice or, or not choice, but, um, you know, why that may have happened. And, and, um, and just kind of, I think, I think outlook is a lot too. Outlook is a lot. Um, I think what happens is with musicians too, is people get really discouraged and, and they lose their focus and they, and they forget why they started doing it in the first place. Um, a lot of it's your mindset. You know, um, and I think gratitude is a huge is a huge thing. And uh, um, gratitude, gratitude's the attitude. <laughs> Talking about um, mindset there and playing arenas too. You've since gone on to play a, a ton of arenas with Pink and and uh, bands like that. What's the mindset for for that kind of setup where you're in a huge space on a huge stage? Do you have to approach it a little differently to play in a smaller club? Yeah, they're totally different. And people ask me sometimes, which I, which do I prefer? Uh, and that's a really difficult question um, because they all have their own magic. You know, um, there's something really special about playing clubs. I mean, there's something um, really wonderful about connecting with the people that are there and being in closer proximity to people and, and just having that, um, the vibe that's there, that which is, which is completely different from like a stadium show or something or a huge festival um, or some of the arena shows, it's, it's just a different, um, it's just a totally different thing. And I think that, you know, to, to prep for that, you acknowledge that and what it is and what you're going into and, and, um, kind of knowing what to, what to expect, you know, um, a club gig is going to be very different from an arena. The protocol is going to be completely different. You know, it's like at a club gig, um, you it's it's a more personal kind of experience and then when i'm you know if i'm doing like um you know, the o2 or something in london or whatever and i'm friends are like hey can you put me on the guest list and it's like that's a total that's a completely different situation like there's a protocol and 
there kind of isn't really, I guess, you know, like mm-hmm. it's a whole, whole different kind of a thing. And, and, um, just, just prepping for that and, 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 um, you know, knowing what you're, what you're, what you're part of. It's like, there's, when we're doing arena shows, there's like at least a hundred of us that are involved with that show, uh, on our, on our end, on the crew and the band and the dancers and production, the whole, everything. Um, it's just a, it's just a different, it's just a different thing, but they all have their own magic. Like I said, you know, how about technically in terms of gear? I mean, in the arena shows, I take it a lot of that is taken out of your hands and, and taken care of by someone else. I mean, what do you have to do to make sure you know that you can rely on, on what you've got and it's going to be okay? As far as like, um, like the, the text and everything yeah. like that. Um, well, uh, do, you, do you put a lot of thought into that or are you happy for someone just to, to turn up and just talk you through it? Well, again, it, it depends because, like, if it's if it's like a part of a tour, it's someone that's actually touring with us, and that's part of our crew, and that like we know and like we create a relationship with, and like right now, um, like we're in rehearsals with Pink, and my tech is absolutely amazing, and I and I know him. I did uh, he um, helped me out with Gwen Stefani as well when I was on that gig, so I already knew him. I, we already have um, you know like that connection, and so coming into this gig, he already knew like, okay, yeah, she plays Fender Precisions, you know, and she's likes the old school sound. So she's got like the SVT rig and Mm -hmm. she likes tubes and all that stuff. So I'm going to be lugging some heavy stuff around. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, but, um, you know, and it's just working with him and and communicating with him, my needs. And also he'll come back to me with like, Hey, you know what? Like, you know, with these, the sound guys are asking that the output might be a little bit higher or lower. Can we, can we change some things on your, like an, on this, I'm using a, a Sansamp for, for DI. So it's like, can we change some of the settings on your Sansamp? So we'll just work together. And again, like with shows like this, there's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of other people involved. It's not just me playing bass for, for people. It's like, it's me. And then there's like my back at the backline tech. And then there's like what works with uh, with the front of house guy and then what works with the monitor guy and it's all of us mm-hmm. working together and, and making sure it's the best it can be for, for everybody for the whole show because there's a lot of moving parts involved and I'm just one small part of that of that of the, all those moving gears you know so it's just communication really sure. I mean communication is, is, is key that's the, that's the thing and for did, this. I, did I see recently that you were doing some gigs with Cher as well over in Vegas Yes. What was that like? Yeah. Oh man. Uh, she's, she's a trip. She's absolutely amazing. Um, I had done, um, I started with her actually a few years ago. We did the, uh, address to kill tour with her. Um, and it's actually a lot of the same people that are on the, on the pink gig. So, um, so already there's a familiarity there and it's me and the same drummer, Mark Schulman. So, um, so already that it's already got a family vibe already, you know? Um, and, uh, and so when she was doing these, uh, the Vegas, like the residency gigs, a lot of us, same, same people were involved. And, um, I mean, she's just, she's just amazing. She just turned 71 while we were out wow. there. And, um, we did the billboard awards where she got honored with an icon award. Right. And she had, uh, like a hit on the billboard charts in every decade for the last six decades. I mean, she's, she's just, she's just amazing. And it's just been such an honor to work with her. And she's, she's, she's just such a legend. And, um, 
especially this this show in Vegas. Um, and I actually goes to the East Coast also uh, out in Maryland because it's a casino there as well. So kind of goes back and forth, but um, it's called Classic Share. So it's hits from all of these all of these decades. So it's like you know we're playing like Beat Goes On, which is a blast, and then we're playing like Turn Back Time <laughs> and Believe and you know, just the, just the, the range of, of, um, uh, of styles and everything that, she, that she's gone through over the years is to be part of that's just been really, really cool. It's a, it's a wonderful group of people for sure. Whether it's Cher or Pink or, um, Gwen Stefani, is there anything that these artists all have in common that they need from a bass player, you think? Or- <clears throat> um, well, I mean, I think that, uh, whether it's any of these people or anyone else, I think what they need from a bass player is, is a good bass player. <laughs> uh, you know, and that, and, and a good bass player means a lot of things, you know, I mean, it's, it's the playing, it's that, it's the personality, it's being e- easy to get along with. It's being professional, it's being on time, um, you know, all that stuff. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know how to answer that really. Um, I mean, I think what they have in common is, is, uh, you know, from a bass player, I don't know. Like, have they ever I, given I, any, any specific direction? Does that usually come through an MD or? Yeah, we, we have an MD. Right. Um, and normally, um, for the most part, it's like for gigs like this, you want to play, um, they want you to play what's what what's on the records or um okay. you know if there are if there's some other arrangement that the md comes up with or if they're mix making like changing the styles or whatever then we'll go from there but for the most part uh it's being able to play what's what's there play the parts that are there um because it's it's that's their music and that's what they're trying to convey to the audience i guess you know uh, for other gigs, maybe there's a little bit more artistic license, but for 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 these kinds of gigs in particular, um, the the gig is to 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 play what's there. Sure. Um, for the most part, you know. Uh, and I and I've and I've actually a couple times I'm uh, might have you know tried to do a little some frills or something like that, yeah. and right away it's like uh, MD's like just just you know. Just play the parts. Just play with there, um, which it is what it is. You know, I mean, that's uh, that's the gig. Sure, um, but it's all good. Yeah. You mentioned the precision earlier on. Is that your go-to bass? Would you say? Yes, I would definitely say the precision is my go-to bass for sure. Um, and I've tried. I've played all kinds of basses, and I just keep coming back to it because I just it just feels like home. You know, it's like. Um, for me, it's like right, why invent the real the wheel kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it it works, and I've been able to play so many different styles and and with so many different kinds of artists and and um, you know you can just always come back to it. And sure, I mean stylistic things like sometimes I'll play with a pick or sometimes I'll I'll do like a thumb muting thing. Sometimes mostly I play with my fingers, but you know there's other techniques or kind of stylistic things you can do to change it up. But that's that's the foundation for me basically is, is, uh, is the precision. Yeah. That's, that's where, that's where most my workhorse, that's my workhorse, you know, sure. decisions. Yeah. 
Um, what's, sure. what's left on your um, list of, of things of ambitions to tick off? Is there anything left that you really love to do still? Oh man. Um, that's tough. I mean, I, I love writing music too. I love creating music and, and, uh, I, uh, when I have a chance, I, I do that when I'm, when I have time at home with friends and, um, I mean, that's an ambition of mine as well as to make a record and, um, you know, maybe play some shows and, and, um, do play, play, like explore a different side of music, you know, sure. not just, just as the, as the bass player, but, um, you know, having the voice as well, you know, so that's that's always fun to kick around. Yeah, oh, I hope you do. That'd be great. Yeah, yeah. I've got. I've been writing. I mean, I've been writing for a while, but uh, you know, when I played in lots of uh, original bands and have done some touring and stuff like that. But then it's. But then, um, uh, you know, then I always end up hitting the road and and um, and my my schedule is just all over the place. But sure. it's always it's always there. It's always there for me. So so that's good. So what's your schedule like for the rest of the year? Where are you going to be? The rest of the year, gosh. Uh, so I am doing. We're doing summer festivals with Pink. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, we're coming over to the UK to do the V festivals. Oh, great! Which will be fun. And we're doing some European festivals in August. And then um, I may be going back to do some share um, to do some residency stuff with Share, um, depending on the Pink schedule. And then uh, and then I think Pink's records coming out in the fall. I think that's the idea. Okay. So we'll be doing promo for that. And, um, and then hopefully gearing up for, for a tour. So busy. Sounds great. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's fantastic. It's been, it's been, um, it's been such a fun year and I've, I've played with a few different, I was with Tegan and Sarah in the fall last fall, um, which was like a whole different, um, world too. So I've been having so much fun playing with all kinds of different artists in the last year. Um, you know, putting on different hats, you know, and, uh, and a lot of it has been doing the uh, the different instruments too, you know, the upright, the key bass, the vocals, and that always keeps it interesting too. Um, so that's also an ambition of mine is always to keep learning, you know, sure. keep, yeah. keep keep learning new stuff. Like I actually went back and took a few piano, piano lessons when I started playing more key stuff. Um, so always learning, always learning new stuff. Like I'm ready for the new challenge, always ready for the new challenge. For sure. Eva, thanks so much for hanging out with us today. Um, guys do go and check Eva out if you can find her on a tour near you just go and see the gig because it's going to be great um, <laughs> you. I should also plug the place you have in North Hollywood is it North Hollywood? Um, the oh the pub? Yeah. oh it's in, Ho- it's in Hollywood in Hollywood yeah yeah yeah, yeah. really cool pub Fiddle. which has just reopened is that right? we just reopened yeah my dad opened it 35 years ago yeah. in Hollywood and uh, this is our third location and we just reopened it this uh this last month actually so we're happy to be back the cat and fiddle in hollywood the cat and fiddle that's right yeah yeah, yeah right. thank you so um <laughs> yeah if we don't see you on tour we'll see you in the pub yeah exactly i mean <laughs> yeah when, when i'm not on the road playing bass i'm slinging drinks at the pub Sounds that's great. my uh my other gig <laughs> <laughs> all right eva thanks so much thanks guys yeah. we'll see you again next time Hey guys, so just want to say a massive thanks to Eva and obviously Nick as well for conducting the interview and all of our interviews. Um, And most importantly, a huge thanks to you guys 
for just being so awesome and tuning in every single week to these podcasts. It means the absolute world to me that you are supporting SBL on its way to base world domination. Mwahaha! Enter evil laugh there. Now, with that in mind, if you're not a member over at scottsbasesessence.com, I would love for you to go and check it out. Um, we've got a 14-day free trial running right now, so you can go check out the entire thing and take it for a test drive just to see if it's for you and if you, you find if for any reason it's not for you, you can cancel your account with the click of one button. You don't even need to give me a shout or the team or anything like that. It's just the click of one button within the website. Um, if you're wondering what we do there, in a nutshell, it's the ultimate online base school. Um, and that's what we're really you know, working towards and we're creating. We've got 25, in fact, over 25 self-paced study courses in there. We do live streams every single week with some of the best base educators on the planet that would usually cost you, well, usually you'd have to go to a, a music school to get access to these guys. But as a member, you get instant access to them every single week and you can ask them questions in real time. It is the full nine yards. It would take me 10 to 20 minutes just to tell you about all the features inside there. So the the easiest thing for you guys to do is just go check it out and grab that free trial. And um, hopefully you'll see that this is like a completely new opportunity. Like beforehand, you had two options. Option one, have one-to-one lessons with somebody, which as many of you will know, can... It can be a huge risk trying to find somebody that's actually decent and more often than not you get stuck with a guitar teacher who wants to make a little more money on the side by teaching bass. Um, i.e. it's not the best uh, you know it's not the best circumstance to be in because they really know nothing about bass playing and then option two is to go to music school and drop several thousand dollars doing so in fact a lot of dollars doing so and uh, so what SBL Scott's Bass Essences has done is really created a completely new opportunity in the world for bass players just like you that you know you might be a hobbyist hobbyist or you might be a semi-professional bass player who really wants to study with some of the best players bass players in in the world and ask them questions in real time what we've done um, with Scott's Bass Essence has is created that opportunity for you to do so. So go over to check to, and check it out, scottsbassessence.com. I absolutely guarantee it will blow your mind. Now, as always guys, I'll see you next week and take it easy in the shed. Mm-hmm.